0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson
2: is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts
1: now welcome to the ron johnson show and i'm your host ron johnson and in today's episode we're going to talk about kirk cousins today is the first day of the vikings offseason program so you're going to get to hear from kirk cousins you're going to see kevin o'connell out there you're going to get a lot of media attention this week around the vikings and other teams as well starting their their offseason workouts but kirk cousins specifically if you think about mike zimmer and everything that he went through in the past couple of years mike zimmer's out kevin o'connell's in we're gonna have gabe henderson coming up as well talking about his relationship with dwayne haskins rest in peace to dwayne haskins very very tough weekend i'd say for the nfl world Uh, a lot of sketchy things surrounding it when you look at some of the comments made Uh, but gabe henderson is going to dive into that but before we get into the show a word from our sponsors i know this time of year for me i'm a 72 percent vegetarian so my meals are extremely important to me my protein extremely important trying to find a way to get protein when you don't eat as much meat as everybody else well here's a solution for those like me out there Built bar built bar. Have you tried their puffs? If you're not, if you haven't, you're missing out on one of the built bars, best tasting bars. These puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. And for me, I need my protein because I'm not eating as much meat as some of you. So when you think about their fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. I mean, if you could get protein and eat something healthy, why wouldn't you, your kids need protein. Give them a marshmallow. I don't think a kid's gonna say no to a marshmallow. I personally wouldn't. These puffs are a fan favorite. They're incredible flavors, yummy cinnamon churro. You got coconut marshmallow. You got banana cream pie. These are going to be your new favorites once you try them. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, even the puffs. 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. Again, there's that protein again this is that's that's right up my alley replace your candy bars with these they are better a tip than a typical uh candy bar anywhere from two to three hundred calories go to builtbar.com and scroll down to their macros chart and you'll be blown away like i said this high protein low-cal high-fiber low-cal bar is going to be something that you are going to crave most built bars contain 130 calories but 17 grams of protein That's a crazy mix right there. Compared to other candy bars, 240 calories and no protein. The mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and the new flavor of the month, white chocolate chip cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. So make sure you check them out at builtbar.com. At Built Bar, they're not just about the taste. They make the taste delicious first. And then they figure out how can we make this thing healthy? and you don't know, and I don't know either. I don't know how they keep pulling this off. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order at built.com. Well, as we jump into the show, I'm gonna bring in Sam, my producer. Sam, Kirk Cousins is back. Minnesota Vikings fans are excited. Season started, drafts not far away. Kevin O'Connell, Kwesi, Mensa, Adolfo. You got all the things to uh, for a recipe to have a great team. But here's my thoughts about Kirk Cousins. Mike Zimmer's gone. You got rid of all the Kubiaks. So you're getting rid of all the barriers, per se, that were in Kirk Cousins' way. When I look at Kirk Cousins' stats, though, like to me, he's a career 66.9% passer, 32,000 passing yards, 223 TDs, 91 touchdowns and a 98.6 pass rating. Yes, that's good. You look at his best year though, with the commanders, almost 5,000 yards. With the Vikings last year, 4,200 yards. So he's right up there. But with Kirk Cousins, it's always going to be quantity over quality. Is it quantity or is it quality you're after? Are you after quality reps every single time he's under center? Are you after quality quarterback reads every time he's under center? Or are you just out there for the quality or the quantity, where it's just stats on top of stats? Because people always say Kirk Cousins is a stat stacker. He's going to go in garbage time and get all these stats and and make Kirk Cousins great, but not when it matters. And so this is going to be a true season of quality over quantity. I think the quality of Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins ears. Now the defense, they've struggled the last two seasons. We know there were a ton of injuries, but how are they gonna build this defense? I mean, we know the offense was good. We know the weapons are there. The defense is gonna be the question. When you look at they're ranked 32nd and 31st, Mike Zimmer hadn't seen that type of production from his defense since he had been here. So when you think about the cornerback pieces and the draft and all the things they need to do to get back to where they were and, and be a competitive playoff team, Hearing for Kirk Cousins today, I'm interested to see what you're gonna get. I personally think you're gonna get nothing. You're gonna get the same Kirk Cousins. Uh, He's gonna have a little bit more energy. Kirk Cousins is not a, at least I haven't seen it yet. And maybe this is the new Kirk. Kirk, you know, I'm a a Spider-Man fan. If you think about Spider-Man and Venom, when that symbiote gets on Spider-Man, he changes completely. Can Kirk Cousins become Tobey Maguire with the black suit? I don't think so but I hope so I would love to see Kirk cousins tell the truth about Mike Zimmer and how he felt and how mentally he drained him and how he made him feel lesser than a quarterback at times, how he never trusted him, how he didn't want him. And now Kevin O'Connell is carrying him like a baby. This is my baby. Kirk cousins is what Kevin O'Connell's is going to do all season. He's going to carry that baby right to the end of the season. And hopefully that means playoffs. But Sam, what are your thoughts on the Viking season starting off today?
2: Yeah, I'm really interested to hear from Kirk Cousins because he hasn't really been a pillar of accountability the last four months. At least he hasn't been been public-facing in any way. I mean, Mike Zimmer gets fired, and Kirk Cousins is radio silent. Uh, there's trade r- rumors swirling. Kirk Cousins does get a one-year extension, radio silent. We haven't heard from the guy in you know almost four months. So, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear about all the fallout, you know, everything that happened with the head coach. Um, the tumultuous off season where he might've been out the door, you know, very easily could have been. Um, and the fact that he's here, I think he does need to go on a little bit of a campaign to keep this fan base in his corner, because there are a lot of fans that were ready to be done with him. There were a lot of people rooting for him to be on a different team, to have a young quarterback come in, um, to, to switch things up. I think a lot of fans were tired of the consistent inconsistency. Kirk at the end of the year, the stats are, are usually going to be about the same, pretty solid. But game to game, it's a roller coaster ride. Good Kirk shows up, bad Kirk shows up, and it fluctuates constantly. And somehow it always ends up with about the same bottom line. But the journey to get there can be frustrating for fans. And I think Kirk needs to, I mean, last year, it was oil and water with Mike Zimmer. The two could not agree on anything. So, at very minimum, I think you want to start seeing this united front with coach and quarterback. Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins saying the same things, using the same terminology and verbiage, and just getting on the same page. Because last year, there was a clear disconnect, and I think that
1: was problematic. Well, here's my thoughts on that, Sam. And I I, I understand where you're going with this. But there's two types of people when there's turmoil. There's the Stefan Diggs types that are going to type their heart away. Look at Stefan Diggs through this contract negotiation. He was tweeting first. He was tweeting, I understand this business. He was, you know, he was tweeting like there's nothing like, there's no place like home. I mean, he was doing all the things that he did as a Viking before he got traded. Buffalo Bills, instead of moving them, they re-signed them to one of the biggest contracts he's ever seen. But then there's Kirk Cousins, who's quiet during turmoil. And Vikings fans still kind of wonder what's going on. So this is my thing. It's like, you either get this or you get this. You get tons of tweets or you get radio silence there. I don't think there's really a middle ground. I don't think there's like, cause once you open up Pandora's box and you start talking, people aren't going to let you stop. If Kirk cousins had made one comment about Mike Zimmer, he was going to get call after call, after call, after call for interviews because people wanted more. They wanted him to throw out the catchy line. The, you know, you like that now, Mike Zimmer, they wanted something. They wanted to grasp at something and Kirk cousins has given them nothing. I, I personally think that's a team first guy. I think that's a guy who's letting the team speak. We haven't heard much from Kirk, so Kirk's not in the front of the headlines. We're we're all about Kevin O'Connell rebuilding and what this defense can look like. There's a Darius Smith addition, the Patrick Peterson news coming back. Kirk Cousins is not in the forefront. He's never going to be that guy. He's not going to be the loud leader. That's just not who Kirk Cousins is. They're going to have to find it. And I think it's going to be Zadarius Smith. You look at him already tweeting and Instagramming to Eric Kendricks and Daniil Hunter saying sack whatever, sack masters 2.0 or sack dance 2.0. Like he's he's already starting to get that buzz going. Zadarius Smith is going to do what he did for the Packers. That's a guy that when he makes a sack, pulls his shirt down, It's going to have a message. Packers, do you like that? Or do you like that on his shirt? There's going to be something. Zadarius Smith is going to be that guy. And I think that's what – This Vikings needs again, they need that attitude on defense. They need that fire starter, that loud person, you know, you're a bonfire guy. You can't put a bunch of log wet logs in the, in the fire and think you're going to get it lit. No, you need as a Darius Smith, you need a fire starter. And that's what I think they're going to get Kirk cousins. He's going to say what Kirk Cousins says. He's going to do what Kirk cousins does. I just hope now it's quality over quantity. And that's the goal for the season. Well, we're going to have Gabe Henderson coming up next on the Ron Johnson show, but first aware from our sponsors it's
2: playoff season approaching in the nba and nhl betonline.net is your number one source for all betting stats and sports info i saw the wolves clippers line for the play-in game wolves minus two and a half over under at 230 i think those are both pretty interesting and pretty accurate um You've got MLB lines. You've got the uh, plenty of plenty of lines from the Masters this past weekend as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering information, also esports and live betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action.
1: BetOnline, where the game starts. On the Ron Johnson Show, we have Gabe Henderson coming up, and as I spoke earlier in the Open, this is a tough weekend it's gonna be a tough couple of weeks too because they still have to figure this out but as most of you have heard ohio state great washington commander's quarterback steelers quarterback Dwayne haskins has passed away um tough situation nobody really has any idea to what truly happened why he was there i pray it wasn't a mental breakdown what we're hearing is his car stalled ran out of gas possibly wanted to cross the the highway early in the morning trying to get back um, to Pittsburgh uh, to get ready for the season to start he had been in Miami Florida working out well we bring Gabe Henderson onto the show because Gabe Henderson was with the Washington football team when Dwayne Haskins was there the Washington football team not once but twice you have Sean Taylor as well passing away back when I was playing football and I remember that as well I was in Baltimore I had passed through Washington on a quick stop um, I you know, as my way to the Bears, and and so I've I've seen that I, I was teammates with Sean Taylor for a short amount of time, so I remember what that felt like, and I remember some of the things said about Sean Taylor by uh, Mike Wilbon was one, uh, Colin Cowherd was another, and 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 again, it it was the insensitivity to, to to try to make a sensational story out of something that didn't need to be sensational, and I, I bring Gabe Henderson into this because Gabe Gabe, you're part of the media now. You've been a part of the media for a while, but you've had interactions with Dwayne Haskins. Um, Tell me a little bit about Dwayne Haskins, the person you knew, the guy you interviewed, the the guy you saw come into the Washington football team's organization.
0: Yeah, appreciate you having me this morning. Um, Dwayne Dwayne was just a, a lively guy. I remember when he got drafted. So I was in Nashville when he got drafted, and I guess he wasn't at the draft. He had his own draft party. So. When we flew back, he flew back into the facility and we got there at the same time when he was got drafted to, to the Washington football team. And I just remember his energy. Like he he was pumped. He was excited. And I'm like, man, for, for a guy to be 21 years old, like he he gets it. Like he he understands like this, this entire, you know, business. He understands why he's here and, and you know, the, the impact that he can make on, on the organization and um, just, you know, going through time. Um, Dwayne, you know, young dude, like, like, like how we all are 21 years old, you know, your eyes are wide open, trying to figure things out, just seeing him around the building. Um, and, you know, going through that first year where he was, you know, competing for that starting job with Case Keenan and McCoy, it was like, man, this dude like never had a bad day. You, you see him in the locker room, always joking, got his speakers. He had this big old boom box that he'll bring in every single day and come in. I don't know if you've seen the winning time, the Magic Johnson documentary or the uh, Lakers documentary. I when uh, magic came to the locker room the first game and you know just jamming with uh his players that, that was dwayne haskins just a young dude just providing energy and um I, I remember when he got his first start later that year and it was he came into the, to the huddle and was like look i know y'all you haven't really seen me play but i'm a rookie i'm trying to get a win just like you guys and i remember his first start we went out there and beat the buffalo Bills so the team was behind him he was a a, a hell of a character guy um, I interviewed him a couple of times, but more importantly, just, just off the camera, man, like just a guy that just had so much energy. And um, I know a lot of people say his future was ahead of him and, you know, it's kind of cliche now, but seriously, like the, the world was in front of him, like whatever he wanted to um, do, like it, it was, it, it was his for the taking. Like he, he was a guy that was always trying to learn, always trying to figure out the why. So, um, sad, sad day, man. It It was tough when I got the news and just understanding who he was as a person, um, I think that was the toughest part to to swallow.
1: Yeah, and, and when you look at what happened with Dwayne Haskins and so specifically, um, Gil Brandt makes a, a comment on his radio show. And, and and other people have like said, Oh, Gil Brandt's a good guy, he's this, he's that. Um, I never knew him to be this person. And he makes comments about, you know, if he had stayed in school, he wouldn't have been running across a highway. That's just completely insensitive. That has nothing to do with him staying in school. He made a comment about if he hadn't stayed in school, you know, he would have went to the NFL draft. Well, that's an antiquated thought process. Going to the NFL draft, to me, almost becomes a look at me. You know, staying home with your family, enjoying it with your family. Uh, One, Haskins didn't know where he was going to be drafted. I think you saw the tears of joy when he realized he was in the first round because, you know, again, black quarterbacks, they always question their smarts or question their ability. You know, the guy threw 50 touchdowns and people were saying, you know, Stephen A. Smith made a comment about him being a running quarterback, which means he never actually watched him play college football. That's just you're throwing out words because it sounds cool and that's what you think this guy is. He was not a Michael Vick. He was a kid that can throw the ball if you put him in the right offense, and Ohio State clearly did. Um, My my problem, too, is the people that defend some of these people. You know, there's nothing wrong with people making mistakes, and we get it. But when the mistakes happen over and over again, you you look at how they treated, you know, Sean Taylor and the comments around his life. And then now you see Adam Schefter's tweet was about his abilities on the field saying he was a struggling quarterback that passed away. That shouldn't have anything to do with it. And, And that's where I took it. I took it as that... To a lot of these people, NFL players are a piece of meat. Um, They're a commodity that can be traded. They're they're a means to an end for their TV show. And I think when you take that into uh, your thought process and you realize that something has to change, you can't look at these guys. Because I've seen a lot of other guys stay home for their draft, and they didn't get that same treatment. You know, you look at Baker Mayfield recreating the Brett Favre picture at home, and we know a lot of these guys went through the COVID draft stuff and blah, blah, but you, you don't have that same thought process before with guys that did the draft from home. It When they did that then, it was like, oh, man, they're really about their family, and you know, they really just want to be around their family, and Gil Brandt turns it into a, oh, that was a dumb decision. We invited to the draft, and he told us, no, he should have come. Um, I, I I'm just not a fan of that, but... I mean, when you see that, Gabe, how does that make, I mean, cause you're in the media. So, so how does that, you know, come off to you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I got similar, you know, sentiments as you, I mean, the same way you feel, I feel the same way. It's like, you know, this, this guy, you got a 24 year old that just lost his life. Like what? why are we talking about his play on the field? Like he's got a, a mom, a dad, a younger sister, like this guy is a family man Um like his his family's changed forever, like what about that story? What about the story with his sister? I mean there was a documentary that Ohio State put out um in twenty eighteen about how how tight him and his sister was i mean mm-hmm. it, it it's just kind of you know it's it's very insensitive and you you think about you know stuff like that. That's why when I look at you know stuff online now that's why you have like you know shows like I am athlete or or the pivot or or some of these athlete owned um platforms that let these athletes tell their own story because the media get a bad rep, and then this is another instance of why. Okay, well, we're going to tell our story our own way, and and it kind of sucks for for people like me and you that, you know, we we understand these guys and we want what's best for them, but it's tough for them to decipher these players to decipher. Okay, who's with me and who's for me? So, those comments made by Adam Schefter and, and you know Gail Brandt, like it's it's like come on, we we got to be better than that. Like I, I get it, you know, right. those guys have a job too, but still, there 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 does come a moment where we can put our job aside for the betterment of you know the actual good of what's going on and that's the thing it's like dude this is this is way bigger than than you know his his play on the field this is way bigger than what he did in the locker room like this is somebody just lost his life uh, a mom just lost her son a sister just lost her brother like uh, a wife just lost her husband so um yeah i i got similar sentiments and like the, the, these these opportunities when stuff like this happens unfortunate things like this happens this should just allow us to be able to allow the our fans our platform the people who love what we do for, as a job it allows us to allow the fan to get a better perspective of who this player was as a person opposed to the player
1: right and and for gil Brandt, let's say he's getting older um who knows where he's at mentally um and, and so for him to make the comments and say them different than adam schefter adam schefter at least deleted the tweet the problem is when you have nine million <laughs> followers You get 22,000 likes in a second. And so, before he could even yeah. delete it, it had been screenshotted. People were already going off on him. You got guys like Rashad Bateman, former uh, uh, Gophers receiver, now Baltimore Raven. He he directly tweeted to Adam Schefter and called him out. You had a bunch of other players do the same thing. Adam Schefter did delete the tweet, so I will say that um, he didn't try to you know make him make an excuse. He did talk to Ryan Clark and Marcus Spears um, just to try to get in, uh, and I think uh, Lewis Riddick as well to try to you know understand where he made the mistake. Now, is he going to publicly apologize? My guess is he's formulating that. Um, it, it seems too calculated now. I think you, you when you apologize sometimes, um, I look at it like this. God is going to come at the right time. He can't come too soon. He can't come too late. He's going to come at the right time. And, and that's what I hope has with Adam Schefter, that at the right moment, um, not only is God going to impart in him and help him understand that like all these breaking news stories uh don't have to happen the way he thinks he doesn't need clickbait when you have 9.4 million followers you just need to tweet something nice and simple Dwayne Haskins um suffered injuries blah blah Um, unfortunately, he did not make it. That could have been the tweet, and that would have been that all that was needed to break the story. I get he has to break the story. He has a job to do. I'm not saying he can't do his job. But sometimes you don't need to bring the sports side into it when something like that happens. Um, But more than not, that's what these guys do. I'm not going to, like I said, there's racial bias and there's racism. I'm not saying because people are saying, "Oh, this is racist," and this—it's not because Will Bond, as a black man, did the same thing. Stephen A. Smith, as a black man, has done the same thing to guys like Kyrie and some of these other guys. So it's more of a bias than anything. It's—it's it's, when when I think there's a hidden bias when you have these millionaires before the age of 25, um, people have a bias about it. You see it in the comments people make. And and so, Gabe, my question to you is—you know—my last question to you is: How do players, other than these other platforms like you're saying, which I think are great? How do players kind of put this, you know, kind of take a stand and, and say, I am more than an athlete. Like how, how moving forward can the NFL and the media find a way to, to knock down some of this bias? Because you hear store kids backstories and whether they grew up in a bad neighborhood or whatever, you automatically have a negative bias about this person. So how is there a way to take that out of sports?
0: I mean, you know, you can, you know, it's to saying you can't, you can't really change people or you can do is change yourself. And I think that mm-hmm. that's that's where you start right now, like you with with the media, you, you just report the facts. But for the player, I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see a wave now of them having their own platforms, social media, what they're doing or Rashad Bateman tweeting mm-hmm. people speaking up like that's a that's a really good start. And then from there, that I feel like the NFL and these leagues should, you know, prioritize that, like, you know, support these guys going or encourage these guys to go on their platforms. Hey, tell us how you really feel, because. We can't tell it the way you you tell it. Our job is to report what's actually going on, but you guys have right. a better insight. So we're going to lean into what you guys are saying instead of formulating our own opinions. And I think that's a start to build trust. I mean, when you play, when you played, I mean, if someone came up to you when something happened and was like, hey, Ron, I want to put out this story, but i would much rather you say it because I don't want to be wrong. That gives you an right. opportunity, first and foremost, you respect him a little bit more for, for having the, the courage to say, like, hey, I'm not right. I don't, I'm not right in this situation. But i want you to build i want you to be right and i want to make sure you look good as possible so i think that's the start these platforms right now like i said the pivot i am athlete a few others it is going to continue to go go ways like that i mean that that's the way the nfl is going to have to or nba or all these other leagues are going to have to start adjusting and it's tapping into some of those platforms you see uh you know on instagram now when a player somebody gets signed you can collaborate and say like you know, Vikings and Justin Jefferson just signed a deal, you know, so you, mm-hmm. you're going to have to start collaborating with these players to to tap into their social feeds and their fans and stop making it about ourselves because ultimately this, this is a big partnership. And, um, until people in the media like Gil brand and, you know, uh, Adam Shefford can start to see it that way. We're going to have more instances like this where players starting to speak up. I, I'm happy that Adam Shefford is, is Shefford is talking to other people, trying to seek advice of, you know, what can he do better? And I think that's great. Mm. I, I always love hearing stories like that. Hey, I'm wrong. Um, how can I make this right? I mean, I, I feel like he, you know, that's, that's a genuine, a genuine response from him. Um, Gil Brand. I'm not sure what his next steps are, but um, it's just unfortunate, but hopefully this is a, a learning, a learning uh, tool for, for everyone in this process to understand that, Hey, let's not always try to be first, let's be right. Mm. And let's be genuine and let's be honest and let's tap into what these play, who these players are as people before we do, um, the player side and their on-field on field performance, because that's why we're here anyway. We're here because of what what they do on the field. But how can we dig a little deeper to, to understand the story behind why they're on the field right now?
1: Well, that's Gabe Henderson of the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to tap back into Gabe next week as the Vikings kick off their offseason. We'll see what Gabe thinks about the uh, Vikings offseason program as they get going. Thank you, Gabe, for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Up next the Daily 3. That's three questions. 3 minutes. Sam, take it away.
2: Great stuff there with Gabe Henderson into the Daily 3. The Twins had an entertaining opening series against Seattle. They lose a pair of one-run games and they bounce back on Sunday with a 10-4 win. They homered 9 times in the series and 3 of those homers came from Byron Buxton who was once again electric in the opening series. Uh he's healthy. Now he's very well paid. The twins hope he's healthy all year long because man, that guy's exciting. Ron, is he the most electric athlete in the Twin Cities?
1: No, he's not. Uh, he, he, it's, it's. Uh, I don't want to be captive. Don't be captive of the moment. Um, what we're getting right now from Byron Buxton, great. Is it sustainable? We will see. Um, is he going to have a Barry Bonds, Mark mcguire type season where it's just bomb after bomb after bomb? Who knows. Um, but but my thought with this is you can't be captive only. You have to think about the moments that happened this year. And so I think I have to go with Anthony Edwards first because you look at the big dunks, the fact that they're in the playoffs, uh, some of his post-game interviews, all that stuff. Then you're going to have to go with Kaprizov. Why? They're in the playoffs. Again, a kid that can skate like, you know, nobody else, fast, you know, in the creases, you know and they're just putting put same thing they're putting points up on the board i think when i tuned out of the game uh i think they were playing the kings it was like six to three and so when you think about that with the wild again that's that's electric i'm not a huge hockey fan but i actually had some fun this weekend watching the gophers um lose unfortunately but you know then watching denver because i i just wanted to see what this whole mankato or minnesota state mankato hockey team was all about so that was fun um and then I would say you can throw Byron Buxton in there at number three, um, for the simple fact. The only reason I'm putting Justin Jefferson right now at four is because they're not a playoff team. I think that's the key. When your team is in 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 you know competing for a chance to be in the playoffs, you look at Randy Moss. He was electric because they went 15 and one. You know he was electric because they never felt like they were out of a game. That's what Justin Jefferson has to get. I think they can get there with uh, Kevin O'Connell and this offense, Cooper Cup style um, offense. But I'm gonna have to go with that order that I just did. I'm gonna put Buxton in there at three, though. I think Buxton uh, right now with Carlos Correa, they they, they are showing uh, some improvements. They are looking really good. Uh, I I think I threw the win total out as 90 to 95 wins. Um, I think they can get there. They just have to find a way to, to two three some or two to one some of these series. Um, they can't keep taking them on the chin and then try to win that last one. That's not a formula for the playoffs. I will say though, you look at their pitcher. I mean, I think it was like three pitches over 100 miles an hour or something like that, with crazy movement. Um, that's they're gonna need that. You know, how how long can that go though? Like that elbow and that arm. When you're throwing that fast and that hard and that much movement, um, they I think they called the pitch a splinker. It was like a split finger uh, with a drop to it. I mean, it was it was moving to be 96 miles an hour and have movement. That's scary. So we we, we talked about the ace. They need an ace. But that's going to be the key for me. Is do they have an ace? If they do, I think Byron Buxton can move up and he can he can unseat you know Edwards and Kaprizov depending on how their playoff runs go this year.
2: Yeah, I mean more people deserve to know more about Byron Buxton just nationally because he is really really yeah. exciting. He's got to stay healthy um, though. That that that's the key. That really is the key. <laughs> uh, speaking of staying healthy, Tiger Woods faded. Over the weekend, a pair of 78s, still a great score for the average golfer. Not up to Tiger Woods standards, though. He ends plus 13, 23 shots back of the champion, Scotty Scheffler. Are better things still to come for Tiger Woods, Ron?
1: I hope so. I mean, when you look at 78, for me, I tweeted that out. That's 3 Ron Johnson on Twitter. I tweeted that out, and it got a ton of interaction. You know, Tiger 78, hands over his head, just kind (laughs) of confused, bewildered. Uh for me, 78, we're popping bottles, champagne. We're in the locker room. I'm spraying, you know, they might kick me out of the go- off the golf course, out of the cl- out of the uh, clubhouse, because I'm I'm popping bottles. Like we're we're buying whatever's on the top shelf of that champagne. We're gonna spray it. Or, well, we're not gonna spray the top shelf. We're gonna drink the top shelf. We're gonna spray the cheap stuff. Give me the nine dollar, the three ninety-nine bottles of champagne so I could spray it all over the clubhouse. Um put it on Rosie's Mark Rosen's tab, he'll clean it up. But that's, that's our common man, whoever I'm golfing with, that's that's how I'm going to get it. Like, that's how I would feel. But I, I would hope that there's more to come for Tiger Woods. You look at some of his shots. You look at the way, you know, he hit it, kind of not perfect, but, you know, a little out of bounds – not out of bounds, but a little bit on the rough, uh, a little bit to the trees. You'd see him scramble and get it back out of there. Um, that's some of the things that we saw the old Tiger do, where he was always scrambling to get back to par. Uh, he had a couple birdie putts, uh, but his greens and regulation – He's got to pick that up. But, again, this is a guy coming off of a gruesome leg injury after a car accident that nobody thought he'd ever play golf again. Um, this was like conditioning for him, walking up and down that course, one of the tougher courses to play on, the Amen's corner. Um, some of the scarier shots when you look at all that water, all those approach shots, you got to kind of be perfect. If it doesn't hit the right part of the shelf, that thing's rolling back off, and we saw that. It's rolling back off. You might chip a perfect chip, skids right in front of the cup. If it rolls five feet most golfers are like i'm good i got a five foot putt i'm gonna two putt this thing for 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 par man that course that thing rolled down one hump rolled down another hump and then it's back off and now you're chipping back up so it was a tough course the wind did not make it any easier it was windy you saw a lot of guys struggling but yeah i i think there's more to come you know it was it was a great day Uh, just to watch Tiger on a Sunday, I think that was the key. I mean, showing a guy 20-something shots off the lead and he's still getting a ton of following, like on his 18th uh, fairway, people are still watching him still. I mean, that's what golf wants. That's what they need. And so a competitive Tiger makes it even better.
2: Yeah, I I think he can putt a lot better than he did. I think he can chip a lot better than he did. Those aren't really, you know, strength or endurance things. That's more about touch and hands and and feel. I honestly – except for the first day where he was a little bit uh, haphazard. I thought he drove the ball great. I thought it was his iron play that, that really let him down. He was a, a club mm. short a lot. Um, you know, I, my advice to Tiger, if I'm Joel Lacava, club up. I mean, you might need another club here at, at age 46 off of surgery because um, he was he was landing them short and then spinning them back off the front like you talked about. Yeah. Um, t- Tiger needs advice from me, of course, uh, as, yeah, no one, no one should take golf advice from me. Uh, Timberwolves ended their regular season forty six and thirty six after losing to the Bulls last night and basically a meaningless game. Playing is on Tuesday. So Ron, ten games over five hundred. Did the Timberwolves exceed your expectations in the regular season?
1: Yeah, I think nobody knew what we would get out of this team. Anthony Edwards, like we talked about, was LaMelo Balls the right pick? Uh, you know, should have been Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards is the right formula uh, for this team. I, I think he's the energy they need. He He's not afraid to, you know, stand up to a guy like Jimmy Butler. Uh, he's not afraid. Uh, you got Pat Beverly as well, another bully that's not afraid to deal. So I think they have the right makeup of guys now. Um Pat Beverly is what they needed Jimmy Butler to be. A bully to the other team, not your own team. And, and I think that's that was the problem for the previous kind of chemistry of the team. Um, I, I think if Jimmy Butler had a better – I mean, we saw Jimmy Butler trying to fight his team in Miami, so that's just Jimmy Butler. Um, that's the thing, though. This team is more we're going to fight other people and we're going to be for each other. And that's the key with this team. Uh, let's fight them. Don't fight us. Uh, so, yes, they exceeded my expectation – um actually though so this is what i'll say yes at the end looking at what i thought from the beginning but as the season were, was going then i was kind of like man they could be easily the sixth seed they were giving up games they should have won uh you look at the, the big three and the times where cat would dominate and then the times he would shrink um in big moments and you were hoping he would go out there and give you 30 to 40 points and he would give you 22 which wasn't enough to deal with their star on the other side when you look at uh jokic and all these other guys he has to kind of combat um, but yeah, they get in the playoffs, the play in again, I'm still not a fan of it. They have to play this play in now. Uh, hopefully it's a one game and they win and then they can relax and wait and, and then get ready for the Grizzlies. Cause I think the Grizzlies are extremely uh, vulnerable. Um, I think the Grizzlies can easily uh, be beaten. I, I think John ja Morant has to have a great game every time for the Grizzlies, even though the Grizzlies work good without him. But when he's on the court, it's a difference. So if you bench him, then you might win, but you can't bench him. So now if he's in there, he has to have a great game. Because if he's not having a great game, I don't see them sitting him down. I see them trying to let him shoot till he gets hot. Um, and and that can be a big-time win for the Timberwolves if John Morant can't find a way to get it going.
2: Yeah, it's crazy how how good they were without him. But you're right, when you, like, reintroduce a superstar – Sometimes it can almost mess with the chemistry right away. I mean, ultimately, it's better to have your best players on the floor. But I wonder the same thing about the Clippers. Like, if Kawhi comes back, is that going to change up this good dynamic they have going? Because they've won five in a row going into this play-in game. But but I would say expectation-wise on the Wolves this year, obviously exceeded them. I think they they had the depth this year and the fortitude to overcome injuries and adversity. Like, they had the month where a bunch of guys got COVID and they really slumped. I think it was December, and they could have packed it in, and they didn't, uh, which is unlike Wolves teams of the past. Final thoughts, bonus question. Um, Give me a few seconds on Minnesota State Mankato falling in the NCAA Hockey Championship. I know you watched the game. I saw
1: you tweeting about it yeah the enemy of my enemy is my friend um so i'm gonna say for denver i quietly was like okay go out and win this you guys just beat the gophers and so now you go out and lose Um, But at the end of the day, Minnesota State, Mankato still represents the state of Minnesota, the state of hockey. Um, So I was watching. Honestly, I I tweeted too soon. That was my fault. After the first period, they were up 1-0 because you know my thing. I'm a Mighty Ducks guy. So I look at if you're up 1-0 after the first, you know, it's your game. They're going to be pressured. You're going to nope. Didn't happen. They got absolutely steamrolled after that. Even though two goals came very fast on an empty net, um, I'm not a hockey guy, so I don't know if those really count. Like, oh, that was great. You got an empty net goal, two in a row, real fast. I don't know, cause I'm not a hockey guy, so I don't know how that ranks. Do you still say no? We really only lost three to one. We were trying to make something happen. We knew we were giving up a chance for them to make a goal to get two quick ones and go and lose five to one. Because after that four to one, then it's like, yep, it's pretty much over. Because uh, some people were saying, "Oh, you might have just seen the game-winning shot," which I think was a third goal. Because those last two, they can't really count as game-winning shots because the goal or the, uh, uh, the the Mavericks were doing everything they could by pulling the goalie to just try to get more bodies on the on the floor that can take shots on goal, and it didn't work out for them. So it was fun though. It was it was it was cool to watch. Uh, I liked the fan interaction. I loved uh, some of the things I tweeted out. The videos I saw for people in the stands, but you know, the Gophers hadn't won since like 2003. I I hope this is their time now, you know, 20 years. That sounds like a magical way to kind of kick off uh, a storyline. 20-year, the 20-year drought is ended, and the Gophers are now champions. There you have it.
2: Yeah, I know they're losing some talent this year, but uh, I know they'll be right back in the mix next year. And congrats, by the way, to Dryden McKay, the Mankato goalie, who won the Hobie Baker over the weekend. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, three goalies have only won that. And that was Mankato State's first or Minnesota State's first Hobie Baker Award winner, which is weird to even hear. I assume they would have had more than that. Um, but he was the first winner. Uh, so yeah, congrats on that young man. I actually went to school with one in Jordan Leopold. So I was there for his Hobie Baker speech. Uh, the class we actually did as our final project. Well, that's the, that'll do it for the Ryan Thompson show today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, downloading, listening, YouTube. Wherever you find your podcast, please make sure you subscribe to The Ron Johnson Show. Have a great day.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast
1: ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.